The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's good to have you along with us as we head out of the month of May and into the summertime of 2022. I hope you have a lot of great summertime plans in store for you. And in store for us is a great conversation with an erotic book narrator who is also a podcaster of the number one podcast in erotica on iTunes. Rose Carraway is a native Northern California writer, editor, audiobook narrator, publisher, and podcaster for the number one erotica show in iTunes, the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. She freely celebrates and cultivates eroticism with her lurid listeners of the KMQ. Rose's writings predominantly show her commitment to both feminism and masculinism. She believes that people of all genders and orientations should be considered complementary and interdependent and are necessary for a genuinely healthy and functional society. Rose's other passions revolve around her soulmate and her co-host, Big Daddy Dave Carraway. She's also studying to earn her Master Beekeeper certification. Rose Carraway, the host of the Kiss Me Quicks, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever read an erotic book. Mm. I was very young. My heart just beat a little extra there. I is the joy of sex considered an erotic book? I would say yes. It's got pictures and everything. Um, that was my first discovery of anything erotic, um, and certainly the pictures. Oh my gosh. I mean, I went back, I snuck into my parents' library when I was, gosh, eight, nine, not terribly young, but young, you know, and had never had the sex talk, didn't really know much about sex. 
and my parents did not get along. They were not the lovey-dovey that me and, and my husband are. Um, and so I had no example. And I was just looking in their library. My mother read every bodice, ritter, uh, <laughs> bodice ripper written under the sun and, and the moon, right? Like all the paranormal ones as well. And, and I would sneak those and read those up in the mulberry tree in our front yard. But I came across this big old book called The Joy of Sex and was like, oh, what is that? And I cracked it open and oh my gosh, the the, the pictures were, I immediately sat down, crisscross applesauce and just slowly went page by page and, and admired those, that couple, those illustrations. And, and it, it looked like love between them. So I think that that was also my first example of what love could be physically. Um, and, and it's interesting because very recently, I would say within this last year, I went to a used bookstore and saw it and finally grabbed my own copy. So I also now finally have my own copy of Joy of Sex. First, so that was first. time you ever realized that you could use your voice for a profession. For a profession. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that I realized, because mm -hmm. that's the tricky word you're using, that I realized <sighs> whenever we put my very first story ever self-published out on the Kiss Me Quicks, it was called Books and Boners, and we waited. It was near my birthday in September in 2011, and slowly, day by day, reviews were trickling in emails were trickling in and they were asking for more and we thought maybe we can make money doing this and but my I was I was I was torn because I just wanted to do this for myself and for my husband and for anyone else out there just wanting something to jazz them up inside and help them to connect with their partner or just with themselves and we thought well here's how we can legitimize this. If we want to do this full-time, if I want to write full-time and give my stuff away for free, we have to be able to financially survive. So maybe people seem to be pleased by my voice. So maybe I can record something and sell it like an audiobook. So I think that that was probably, that was the moment when those, when those First people First time responded. you put a podcast on the air and your emotions wondering if it was going to work. Oh my God, I was trembling the whole time I recorded it. The whole time I listened to it after my producer slash husband produced it. And as he uploaded it um, into iTunes, I was trembling, so terrified of what people would think but that was back in September of 2011. So it's been a while. Um, it's been a long time. And, and still, anytime I write something and put it out there, I still get that, that little tremble. But I know now that people are, they are enjoying it. And that just makes it tenfold more worth it, you know, that it's not just for me or for him. 
<laughs> it's other people are gaining, you know, getting the benefit, reaping the benefit. First time that, you so. use the term lurid listeners and what your mindset was in doing so. <laughs> well, I, we were talking to a, a fan of the show. Man, I can't remember. I think it might have been through Facebook messaging and they had reached out saying that they loved an episode and oh no I can't remember which one it was oh shoot but it was a darker one and it was super super late at night and he called himself a libidinous zombie and so I thought well you're more than that you're like this lurid listener you're in the you know the wee hours you know just as the moon is getting to the the highest point in the night you're this lurid I like the ring of that so it was when we were talking with an actual fan um <laughs> and I can't remember who he was uh but he was very sweet and very supportive and not only did we name our fans lurid listeners but we also developed an anthology <laughs> called the libidinous zombie anthology so it worked out really the well. The first time you looked online or on a piece of paper or whatever it was that told you that the Kiss Me Quicks was the number one erotica podcast on iTunes, what were you thinking? Oh my God. Holy shit, no way. There is Dan Savage too. <laughs> we were right next to Dan Savage. I think he got I think he got either number 2 or number 3 spot and we hit number 1. And it was more it was it was there was more gravity in that moment because Dan Savage his show Savage Love inspired us to do our kiss me quicks because we were one of those callers who were just looking for better ways to be able to connect with our partners we have these wants inside how do we speak them out loud to our to our most trusted friend and confidant our partner the person we're most intimate with and yet there's that fear of intimacy even you know exposing maybe some deep dark secret wants that oh how do I do that well we oh god I mean we were those people how do we do this there were so many of them and we thought those are our people those are who, who we need to talk to um so I, I don't, it was just because we were side by side with him. It was like we had come practically full circle. But then he, when he invited me to guest on his podcast with Dr. David Lay, then it was absolutely 100% full circle. It was a dream come true to guest with him. So that was the moment when we were we were side by side with Dan Savage and that was a while ago too. Man, we've been at this. Well, we've just started time. to begin to tell the story of the Kiss Me Quicks with Rose Caraway. And when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we'll talk about the genesis of the podcast. And I'm going to get back to that joy of sex as well when we return. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom, but had no idea where to start? 
Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Rose Caraway, the host of the number one erotica podcast on itunes the kiss me quicks erotica podcast where did the idea come from i used to write my dreams down well i still do but i used to write them in a journal and just tuck it away it was it was my exploration and expression Mm -hmm. kept secret and then i got married and i wrote to my husband this story called cold supper and if you want we can come back to that too because it's actually alive Mm -hmm. and well today under a different name Um, but I wrote this western this this very erotic and very adventurous western story and I gave it to him thinking he's he he has no idea that this is coming he has no idea that I love to write like this but it was full of scenes that really turned me on. And this was my way of communicating to him. Here's where I'm at erotically. I want to get your feedback on that. And then let's have a conversation and then let's have sex and just enjoy one another. Um, And so he read it, loved it and said, you should read this to me. He is a guy who 
loves the sound of my voice, loves hearing me read to him sexy stories. And so I did. And then he came up with this crazy wild idea to do a podcast because he felt if he enjoyed it and from his end, and I enjoyed what I was doing from my end, there's gotta be people because we've listened to this Savage Love podcast. There's gotta be people that can connect through storytelling. It's, it doesn't intrude. It lets you be an adult. It lets you put it away if it's too much. It lets you turn the page if you want more. There's a lot of doors that could open for people. And we wanted it, we wanted it to be free and, and, and to be our like gift to the world. I know that that sounds so cliche and uh, oh my God, but it's the truth. You know, we, we are here to do the Kiss Me Quicks. We are here. Our purpose in life is to help people connect because it's so hard. And we just want to give a way for people to do this. So he thought, let's do a podcast. And I said, okay, but I'm so scared. I can't read to all these people. I can read to children like nobody's business and enjoy the hell out of it and get them all engaged and everything. But to adults, they're going to see right through me. They're going to feel my fear. And he, my husband said, that's fine because there's fear in them too. And if they can witness maybe our growth, then they can grow too, because that gives them permission. See, look, we're not perfect. We're, we're learning as we go. And so they could too. And so I thought, well, how do we come up with the name? You know, it's got to be something catchy. And I don't know, maybe we were listening to too much Elvis, but something came up. I was reading some I don't know, a garden journal and this flower kiss the kiss me quick or something. It was like a, a violet or something. And I'm just kind of bopping to Elvis going, well, let's call it <laughs> kiss me quicks. So, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's catchy. The KMQ. Let's do that. So that that's kind of the genesis. I have to ask the question that you said you gave this story yes. to your husband. But there was a lot of yeah. dating and a lot of time, I would guess, before you ever did that. So mm-hmm. was it a case of you wanted to spice things up? Or was it a case of you all were already compatible and you decided to take this courageous step forward to share with him something that you hadn't even shared with him while you were dating? That is such a great question. I love this question. Okay, so he, when we first started dating, my husband is very romantic. He, of course, made me mixed tapes. We started dating back, let me just give you a a year, an era. (laughs) We started dating in 1994 and 95. Mm -hmm. So mixtapes were a thing still. And so he did. He gave me a lot of Depeche Mode and Pet Shop Boys and U2 and and some Trent Reznor and and some, some, what do they (laughs) call it, like deadhead music? My -hmm. husband has given me a lot of firsts. I'll just start there. He's given me a lot of first, but like I said earlier, my parents, did they love one another? Mm -hmm. 
I think they depended on one another. I think that they had children that they needed to raise, jobs that they had, bills that they needed to pay. So when I met him, the energy that was between us was incredible. He was so loving, so tender, so sweet, the absolute opposite mm -hmm. of what my parents were. But he sort of encapsulated all of these characters that I had seen on television, all those romances, all those action adventures. You know the guys I'm talking about, your lethal weapon guys, the guys who, no matter what the rules are, I'm going to break it to save whoever needs to be saved because that's my code. I'm going to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of because that's my code. I'm going to love no matter what, no matter who, who thinks what, because that's my code. That's, that's who my husband is. And so I learned a lot. I learned how to receive kindness and love and caring and caresses and all of the things that I wanted that I dreamed about but didn't know how to do myself and so I learned by his example he would write me poetry and leave it on my car like he did all of those classic things that you read about in in all those romance novels he does that still and and so he gave me permission to open up to my inner sexual self to say, okay, you've written from the heart and given it to me. Now I'm writing from my heart and going to give it to you. And, and, and he what allowed was the me to thing do that. that brought you together in the first place. What was the common thread that made you go, we're made for each other. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> um, the common thread was we both wanted more than what our hmm. realities allowed. We both had this glorious romanticized vision of who we would be as a couple. We both, like I dreamed of my husband. I dreamed of this man who would be all of these things for me. And he dreamed of meeting that one woman. I don't know how we did it. I don't, I'm not one of those astrology people. I don't do Mercury and retrograde. I don't do any of that. I think that it's lovely that people do, but I'm telling you stars aligned when we met, planets aligned, all of that, the cosmos paused and said, these two, we're making a new star. It's Rose and Dave star. It, that was it. We both had this dream of what we wanted. And we figured it out that we were that for the other. It's almost it as though that. I'm taking the story backwards. Because I'm going to go back to you finding the joy of sex. And not having any yeah. knowledge from your parents. Because I never got a talk. Mm -hmm. And... That's what led me to my fetishes and led me to not understanding what an orgasm was when I was having one. And I'm going, what's wrong with me? And you yep. live in this vacuum of, of knowledge that you don't know that you don't have. You found this book mm -hmm. 
how did it help you define who you can be? So I didn't have an example of good love or, or even what really love mm. is supposed to be. Um, my example was the opposite. It was, you know, dad is pursuing and mom is shoving away and then they're both angry. They're both tired. They're both fed up, blaming constantly, back and forth blames. No one apologizing. There wasn't much humble energy. If I don't have an answer for something, well, let's find out. There was nothing like that. It was anger, hate, prejudice, um, resentment, you name those four horsemen that ruin relationships. That's what I lived in. And so this book, these were like, erotic angels to me. Um, again, it's weird. I am not a religious per person, but I feel like this is where I, I lie spiritually. Sexual energy is a very real thing and I want to live freely within it. And so seeing those sketched people, I thought this is a published book. A major publishing house allowed this. I know that there's a thing called porn and people are afraid of it. People hate it. People admonish it, name everything. And yet it is watched, it's observed. And so I, and I mean, it was quite pornographic. It's very nude, you know, but still very subtle. Um, but for that time, you know, at my young age, it was, it was quite like, whoa, but I, I was drawn in. What was it about the book that allowed you to get your sexual identification mm -hmm. and your sexual desires from that? It was, it was the way that they, those, that couple, those couples, I'm not sure if it's the same couple or not, the way that they are drawn embracing one another, that was my dream. And that was the door that opened for me. That's what I want. That's who I am. That right there, that confident, calm, loving, and open illustration. That's, it was all right there in a picture. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. Right there, that book was, I mean, a lifetime of, of eight years of tumultuous life and, and repressed sex. And, but this was open and, and that was me. That was it. It was a very open thing. And now you've taken those thousand words mm. yeah. and added another thousand and another thousand. And you've brought a vision for other people to have now. My Do you goodness. understand how powerful that is? I, uh, no, I, I, yeah, no, I'm trying to still, it's amazing. I, I, yes, it is a powerful thing. I know, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out just with gratitude and thanks with, I introduced my, I just shared a tweet the other day. It was, it was so great. I, I my face dropped, it was started hurting because I was smiling for so long. A gentleman tweeted me saying he introduced his wife to our show. 
And now she, and, but he didn't say which story he was, she had listened to, but she was going to listen again. And he, she was going to ride his face while she listened. And I thought, that's amazing. That's proof right there that of this power that you're talking about. I never would have dreamed that I could have connected like this, but I know I have. And I just, I, I still want to walk on my own two feet and be humble and grateful and continue on this path because it is, it's, it's the right place for me. One of the things, and it was in your biography, mm. about the commitment to feminism and masculinism. Mm -hmm. I've said it before on this podcast in the battle of the sexes, it's really difficult for me to cheer for my own side. Yeah. Because of the awful examples that so many men have provided in trying to connect with women or men, as the case may be. So let's talk about masculinism the right way. Where do you start that explanation for somebody? It's an awareness that whatever your masculinity is, I think that it has to be self-identified because what we know commonly as masculine, I think is starting to be rewritten. Um, you know, I think that even the term alpha female, alpha male, those are also being rewritten and, 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 and more deeper defined, more deeply defined. Um, so how do you begin it? I think you have to have space for it. You, you have to have an open mind and not immediately go on the uh, offense or even the defense. You have to listen. And that goes with any powerful conversation that you wanna have. Um, is your masculinity in, in, within your sexuality? And how, how, how is it? Or is it in just another part of your life in your day to day? You know, are you, are you the breadwinner? Let's say that, that stereotype, are you the dad who goes to work every day and then the, the mom stays home and is the housekeeper? That was me and my husband for a very long time. He never fit in with a lot of those guys because all they want to talk about is their car project and dumb nothing deep at all nothing about unless it's just your cookie cutter agro conversation about well the president blah 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 and you know nothing deep and nothing there was no willingness to receive new information so you just have to have an open mind an open heart and even if you don't have all the words, find them, do some resourcing. You really, we're rewriting it right now. This is like this, we're in this new era of discovery, I feel like, revamping of things. This old world stuff is going by the wayside, I hope. It feels like anyway. Maybe I'm just in my own little bubble. I don't think so, but... Um, I, yeah, I think you just have to be open to it and then be able to define it for what it is to you. Um, it sounds like it starts 
with vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And boy, is that a mountain to climb, especially for men and even for women too, you know, we're having to put on this protective shield of, I can handle anything just as much as you can, but better, you know, and I don't think that that's necessary. I think it's okay to be vulnerable. Uh, I think it's required. Like you have to, nobody is that stoic. My goodness, nobody is. So yeah, vulnerability is a good place to start for sure. And admitting certainly where any shortcomings might be. When the walls come down, the communication can start. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and doubt, doubt and guilt, shame, mm. those can be tricky. They can, they can, they can threaten to derail you, but everyone is strong enough to get through that. They just need time. You cannot force it. You really need time. You got to sit with it and let it grow, I think, too. So, I mean, unlearning things, my goodness. <laughs> we have, speaking of learning things, in the past 10 years, the definition of gender has changed in a huge way. The definition of orientation has changed in a huge way. I'm talking the definitions because gender issues and orientations and their labels have been around for a long time, but nobody's been able to express it. And now people are expressing it. Mm -hmm. How do you think we finally got here? Through vulnerability. I mean, through, <laughs> through, through tragedy, unfortunately, um, through realizing how deep pain goes, stopping what, you know, what we know can be like vicious cycles and prejudices, ignorance, you know, thank goodness for the internet, allowing people to connect and not having to be so confrontational. Um, I think that that's helpful. Man, boy, we like to put things in boxes, don't we? Mm -hmm. and, and we can live better organized lives, more secure, where I'm more secure if I can just put this someplace and, and it'll stay there. I think we're becoming a lot more fluid. We're not becoming more fluid. We've always been this fluid. We've just not admitted it. I think we're closer to more people being able to admit it. Like, yeah, yeah, I've got some gay family members. Oh yeah, I, I've got a couple of trans family members too and we're all kind of learning together and trying to be supportive and how can we help you know learning a, a new language some some describe it as um I don't know about you but I took Spanish for three years and that was tough <laughs> so <laughs> learning pronouns not quite as hard but just open your mind you know you set yourself into this classroom, your, your mind is set. I'm learning a new language. Well, you go out into the world, you're meeting new people. Be open to embracing who they are and put it into practice. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. 
This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey. And good luck. Hello, all you dear listeners of this amazing show. My name is Anya, and I also have a podcast called Sexualchemy. And I would love for you to come discover what we're doing over in my little sliver of the world talking about sex, our paths to figuring out our most authentic expressions, unshaming all aspects of it, and generally just creating community around people who want to explore whatever their most authentic sexual expression is. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you reach out and I hope you become part of my little community that I love so much. Join Anya for Sexualchemy and listen to my episode. It was an amazing interview. Sexualchemy with Anya, available where you get your podcasts. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. You're opening a new language with your podcast by being able to present stories of all different kinds. Has there ever been a story that people went, whoa, I can't believe you went there? Um, we had one story, one story. We we're, we're pretty lucky here in this arena. We don't get, I don't want to say this. I'm going to knock on some wood. <laughs> uh, we don't get hate mail, mm-hmm. but we did get one email from a gentleman. Um, I'm going to say gentleman. He was not very gentlemanly in his email, but it was a story by N.T. Morley called Old Friends. And I think that this is from Rachel Kramer Bussell's Gotta Have It book. There's 69 stories in this one. I think it's either that one or it's a Violet Blue anthology that I did called Sweet Danger. And it's the story of a husband and wife and the wife has a college friend coming into town. And it turns out that these two women were more than just friends, they were they were sexual together Mm -hmm. and then they bring the husband along into this I think there was some dubious consent in there and they tied him to his bed and he they made him use a condom and then they forced him to drink his 
semen. And so that was apparently too much for this gentleman listener. And he emailed us and said, how dare you show, uh, read that on the show? This is inappropriate and you're, you're crossing the line. Well, and he listed off a whole bunch of other things. And what we, our takeaway from that, mine and Dave's takeaway was that. And here is the case, I think, for a lot of people today. And this is where knowing yourself is very important. We have baggage. Every single one of us, we have lived experiences and those are a part of us. And so when this gentleman heard this story, he brought on board all kinds of baggage that he had in his past. And he unloaded it into this email. Much of what he described was not in the story, but it had triggered him to, to exercise those, all of those feelings. And we felt bad. We thought, oh, did we cross a line here? Well, this story was published. It went through the, edit the editing process. Um, the person who wrote it and Tim Morley, you know, I'm sure that they had a moment of, okay, I'm writing this story and this is a good story and it turns me on. The world over, it's incredible how many of us share the same exact fantasies. I mean, maybe not all the, not all the nuances, but drinking semen is certainly a common fantasy for people. Um, and so that's who this story was for. Those who liked some forced bondage, that's who this story was for. Those who like the wife to take control and bring in a partner so that the husband didn't have to make any decisions, but somehow she knew that that's what he wanted and she made that dream come true. That's who that story was for. And that's where the adulting comes in. That's where the responsibility that we put on our listeners lies. If it is ever too much for you, we with open arms and, and full hearts invite people to turn it off. Mm -hmm. You don't have to listen, it's okay. And if you don't like it, you're still okay. The person who wrote that story is okay. I am okay for, for narrating it. Um, it's a powerful thing. It's the sexual hold that can, that can take over. It's, I think that's what we're trying to un, unravel a little bit, untwist a little bit so that we can accept and know that this is not even really actually happening. This is just a story, a fictitious story full of imagination designed to maybe hopefully turn you on. And if it doesn't, it's okay. I tell employees that come into my department because we deal with angry customers mm -hmm. quite a bit. And I tell them to ponder this, take the words angry and scared and replace them with each other. Mm. You had a gentleman write you in an angry way because maybe he was scared that he was feeling too much 
familiarity with what you might have been saying. Mm-hmm. Could have been. There can also be the situation where maybe something had happened to him in the past that did indeed trigger him, but not for the reasons that the story was all about. Mm-hmm. And we lash out at people sometimes because we take things personally that shouldn't be personal. Mm-hmm. Case in point, you read things on the internet and people become keyboard warriors and they will write hateful things towards another person, not ever putting themselves in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. With your podcast, what you are doing is you are opening doors and you are inviting people into this beautiful world that freedom is everything. And the word normal is gone. There is no normal. And what are we taught throughout our entire youth and growing up? Don't you just want to be normal? Just be so normal. You just want to fit in? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I have found, as I've just turned 59 years old, that if I hadn't learned that word normal, I would have lived a much better life. There's freedom there. There's freedom. And, you know, maybe normal isn't this blanket that covers every single person under it. Maybe normal is my blanket. And what's normal for me. And then you have a different normal blanket that covers you. I think that that's a challenge for people because we are, we are very tribal, right? You know, you and I are in this sex positive, feel good about who you are sexually and you, and, and feel free to explore it with confidence um, and, and, or learn to be confident there. But there are a lot of people who resist that. They cannot do that. And I think that fear, like you said, it, it, fear is the number one killer of all dreams. And oh man, what does it do to our sexuality? Damage. It can do tremendous damage. You know, girls are taught, boys only want one thing. So you don't give them a chance. Or you have this preconceived notion that all men are evil. And they just want to knock you up and make you make their babies and that's it. That's all you're good for. You don't, you don't need orgasms. You just have to make babies. Man, fear and anger. Oof, they can, they, they do damage. And that's what I'm hoping to repair or, or yeah, I think just repair. Yeah. Provide aid for (laughs) marital aid, maybe. (laughs) In talking about the kink community, and you can talk about the whole world of erotica, I have made the analogy that sex is somewhat like soccer was in the 1970s. Some people knew about it. Those people who knew about it knew it was really cool and wondered why the rest of the country, meaning the United States, didn't like soccer as much as they did. And then you go year to year to the point now 
where you see soccer all over the television from every conceivable country. And we have our own teams that we cheer for, and we have our own Premier League teams that we cheer for. And I realize a lot of this is sports ball to people, and I understand that. <laughs> but the analogy is true. We are still in that place where all of this stuff could be really amazing for so many people if they would just realize that the rest of the world thinks it's cool too. I think that there's a threat to idealism. You know, you go to America and you've got the big house with the white picket fence and the dog and the kids, and that's it. That's the cookie cutter idealism that we have. And I think that that, that sexuality threatens that. But what, you know, that's okay. We're, we're still here. We're still gonna fight that fight because it needs to happen. Um, you can still have all those things. You can still do all those things, but repressing this, it's going to come out somewhere. If you deny that, that human animalish primal part of yourself, it's damaging, I believe. And it's going to come out somewhere. It's going to affect the way you parent. It's going to affect the way you partner. It's going to affect the way your creativity even. Um, boy, repression can do some serious damage. It can hold you back. It can stop you right in your tracks and not let you grow. It stops growth. So yes, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you know, it's, it was hairier back in the day <laughs> than it is now, which might be true, but I think maybe hair is coming back a little. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it is in this house. I don't know. <laughs> You talked about growth. What are your future projects? What are some dream projects you hope to be working on as you move on towards your future? Well, we have mostly been focusing on, uh, maybe a little folking, um, focusing <laughs> on erotica, which is fiction. Um, you know, we did Dr. David Lay's uh, What Women Want, or sorry, um, uh, women who stray and the men who love them, that cuckolding mm -hmm. Bible, if you will. And so we are going to be pursuing a few more nonfiction titles. We're working on one right now. I can't, I can't say the title or who, who the clinical psychologist is for that one, but um, that, that one will be um, coming very, very soon. But we've also got an anthology called Erotica for Men. There's been a, you know, when you hear the word erotica, you think it's kind of feminine. A lot of men don't feel invited to read or listen to what's called erotica. That's for women. So we thought, well, there's this wonderful series that Rachel Kramer Bustle is doing, Best Women's Erotica. We, we don't want to leave men out of, of the, the game. We want to invite them into this. So um, contracts are actually going out this month for that anthology, Erotica for Men. And it's, I think it's 22 stories that both myself and my husband have edited. This is his first adventure in editing. So he had a ton of fun. He helped me pick the stories for this book. We wanted stories to focus on 
men's, the, the male characters' journeys, what they wanted, their desires, their fears, their hungers, and how those are fulfilled in, in story form. So that is going to be something that we are going to be pushing to. You know, we do always, regardless of the title, we always do consider both the masculine and the feminine sides of people and try to bring that all together in one book. It's really hard to do, <laughs> but um, those, those are our, our top focuses, masculinity and femininity. Um, so yeah, more anthologies geared toward that. You know, it's, it's erotica, it can give you, it can start to give you language to, to open that door to communication with your partner. But nonfiction, so books written by specialists, people who are in the field of talking to patients um, with regard to sex and sexuality and partnership, um, this is where we feel we can also help people by putting these books that have been written for a little bit into audio because where this is the world we live in. Everybody's got their earbuds in, they're listening to something. Um, and so that's, I think that that's what we're trying to fulfill the need for is giving people, people with information and help from some PhDs because we can't do it. We're good at fiction, but we're, we're going to the, you know, the doctors to help. So I, that's, that's our goal too. What is the best way people can follow you and know all the great things that are coming from both the projects that you have and the Kiss Me Quicks podcast? The best place to go is the kissmequicks.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. Um, there, Audible is even doing podcasts now. So people can listen to the Kiss Me Quicks, uh, the KMQ through Audible too. Um, we're also on Twitter at the KMQ. They can follow me at Rose Caraway or Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave if they want. Um, so yeah, we're everywhere. Well, it has been an absolute joy having you on the show today. We covered a lot of things that I didn't even think we would talk about, but that's what it's like to have a person who has the wonderful background that you have and the success that you've had. It's I love the subjects that we covered and thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to come back. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. I always love talking to Rose. She is such a dynamic individual. We enjoyed having her on our special Cuck Week episode, and I was glad to learn so much about her and hear some of her thoughts today. And I'm sure you enjoyed it as well. Next week, it's this kind of girl, Rosie Kay from the UK. She's working towards banishing the stigma about ethical non-monogamy through first-time swingers coaching. She'll join us next Tuesday on the show. It's a really fun conversation, and I know you'll enjoy it. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I do remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always.
What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.